This is the Hot Stove Report. Going, going, goodbye baseball. On 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle app. And now we're getting ready to move into the second hour of Hot Stove tonight, live from downtown Seattle. With this reminder, single game tickets are on sale now, which means you can purchase seats to some of the biggest games of 2020, including opening day against the Texas Rangers, series against the Yankees, Phillies, and World Series champion. How about that? The Washington Nationals coming to town, plus more fireworks shows than ever before. Stop by Mariners.com today. Rick Ray is along with Shannon Dreyer. And Gary Hill, that uh, Gary, that first hour, Shannon, went by real fast. Enjoyed talking with our guests tonight, Kyle Lewis, Andy McKay, and also uh, Chris Townsend, who covers the A's. Yeah, you just mentioned the Nationals. I mean, what a great year to have wow. the Nationals coming to town. Yeah. I can't wait to see Soto in person, which I've never seen. Yeah, 19 years fun. old and all that yeah. talent. Oh, yeah. my goodness. It's going to be fun. We're t- I think for another second or third straight year, we're going to be talking about the young players. Yeah, Not just on the Mariners, but in MLB, and I think it's an exciting look. For MLB, you know, it was one of the big stories we talked about on the air so much last year. Kind of, it, it still amazes me the production that we saw from nineteen, twenty, twenty-one year olds. Whether you're talking about yeah. Soto or Acuna or Tatis or Guerrero, who every one of those guys, by the way, will play at T-Mobile Park this year at some point, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And then the kids with uh, Toronto that all came up over the last year, year plus. Uh, I tell you what, I'm going to circle my calendar and the fans should too at the end of May when the Atlanta Braves come to town. Yeah. Because Felix Hernandez signing a contract, a minor league contract with the Atlanta Braves. We're going to hear Jerry talking about that. Yeah. And uh, I tell you what, wouldn't that be something if he's on the ball club in that rotation coming back to uh, T Mobile Park at the end of May? That would be something to watch. Really would. He, I mean,. It's going to be interesting to see how the spring plays out for him. Atlanta's pretty stacked in terms of the rotation. There's not a lot of room there, but there is a fifth spot open. So I think uh, all of us in Seattle are hoping for the best. We'll be keeping an eye on it. Everything's going to be different for him. uh, It'll be odd to walk into the clubhouse in Peoria and not see him at his locker or on the couch in the equipment (laughs) manager's (laughs) room. But we were all very familiar with his routine, and he has been such a big part of spring training. But uh, this is a good opportunity for him they know a thing or two about pitching in atlanta and sometimes uh, a, a big shakeup like that know. a different voice sometimes those things can kind of click things into a different gear and i hope it works out for him yeah. you know what's what's so i think great about the game of baseball and being around the game for a long time you see kids come up to the big leagues and uh begin their major league careers and they're around for however long and some have great careers like felix hernandez some are in for a few days or a month, but you get a chance to, you know, watch their journey. And then at the end, here come a lot more kids. I mean, this has been going on for the last 150 years in the game of baseball. And now we're, we're in the middle of that process right now. We, we had a sad goodbye to say goodbye to Felix Hernandez at the end of last year, but now we get a chance to see the kids play and perform, you know, can't wait to see George Kirby. Can't wait to see Logan Gilbert. Can't wait to see all the others kids get here. Evan White, that's what, you know, baseball is all about. Remember in 1989 when Ken Griffey Jr., everybody's wondering, is he going to make the ball club? Is he going to make the ball club? He hit 400 that spring. He had a great at-bat against Rick Sutcliffe. He had a long at-bat against Sutcliffe where he fouled away pitch after pitch on a 3-2 pitch. He took a splitter for ball four, and somebody asked Jim Lefevre, said, when did you know that Junior made the ball club? He said, that at-bat. And we're going to see 
great at bats by young players this spring. That's what's so exciting. We're going to see, you know, well pitched games by very talented young pitchers. And uh, I think fans should be really fired up about this group of young players. It's funny to hear Jerry DePoto reference the Ken Griffey Jr. spring from that year because he was asked, you know, what it would take for, uh, I can't remember the player specifically, but Kelnick, yeah. uh, someone like that to Julio make. Rodriguez. Yeah, to, to make the club out of, uh, out of spring. And he referenced <laughs> that Griffey. Yeah, because that was a ridiculous spring. I mean, he really forced his way. Yeah. Onto the roster. It would take that sort of spring, maybe even more. So, But it was funny to hear Jerry DePoto reference that exact spring. Well, kind of the awesome thing about that is I'm sure that Jared Kelnick's at home watching <laughs> right. on the stream going, challenge accepted. Okay, now yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at the time, watching him in 1989, the kid was the best player down yeah. on, the, on the field, you know. He had an incredible spring, and sure enough, he made the ball club. Sure enough, he was in the opening day lineup uh, against Oakland against Dave Stewart. First at bat, hit a double into the gap in the left center field at the Oakland Coliseum, and, and the rest, of they say, was, uh, was history for Ken Griffey Jr. We'll be back with more here in the second hour of Hot Stove. Rick Riz along with Shannon Dreher and Gary Hill Jr. We'll be back after these messages. Back to more of the Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. The 0-2 on the way, swing and a miss for strike three. And there is Justin Dunn's first strikeout in the big leagues. He strikes out Dario Agrizol and gets out of the bottom half of the second. A strikeout for Justin Dunn, and that should do it for Dunn tonight here in Pittsburgh. Way to go, kid. That's right, Justin Dunn making his Major League debut last season as a Seattle Mariner after being a first-round draft pick. A few years ago by the uh, New York Mets. Jerry making that big trade a few years ago. And this kid was, he, he was nervous at that first start, but you saw him get better and better over his next uh, few outings. And it was great to have him around and, and get that first outing, that second outing, that third and fourth outing, you know, out of the way, Shannon and Gary. It was, it was really nice to see this kid and, and see what this young man can bring to the starting rotation in the very near future. I thought it was a great reminder that they don't just come up. It's not mm-hmm. always automatic. And I, I, yeah. I got a good chuckle out of it because you do see it. Sometimes you get up there, you have no idea what it's going to feel like. Those yeah. nerves can take over. And you'd never imagine that could happen. And the way he was kind of looking at himself Surely. and the glove is like, really, really. But in time. You know, he got a lot out of that time sure. for the big leagues, and that's what was important. You know what was neat, Gary, was the reaction of the veteran ball players when he came back inside the dugout, the way they surround him, said, yeah. you know what, hey, that's just your first outing. You're going to have a lot of really good outings in the big leagues, and that meant a lot to him. You know, and we talk about it at the time, too, but it's why September can be so important when you come into the year after having that experience under your belt. And we've seen it now. I mean, we talked to Kyle Lewis already, and, We've talked to uh, some other guys on the show already that got that experience, that got a taste of it, that mm-hmm. kind of go into this season knowing what to expect a little bit more. And I, I just think that experience is huge. Exactly. You want to check that box right away. Yeah. Get to the big leagues. It's hard to get to the big leagues, even harder to stay there, as these kids are going to find out. But they're so talented, I think they're going to have a heck of a journey. But it's nice to check off that box, get that first strikeout, get that first appearance under under their belts. And Justin Dunn did that last year. Now, uh, Aaron Goldsmith had a chance to catch up with uh, Justin, a very talented young pitcher, and here's that conversation between Aaron and Justin Dunn. Justin, man, it's good to see you. The last time we saw you, it was at the very end of the season, and what must have been an absolute whirlwind for you a final couple of weeks of 2019. First of all, how's the offseason treating you? 
It's been going well. I uh, just got back from Florida. Kind of had a little time to process everything. Like you said, it's been a little crazy, but um, been back to work and excited to get going. So before we talk about last year, let's talk this off season and kind of where you are uh, geographically. You're a New York guy, but you train in Florida. How do you divvy up time with family and then also time trying to get ready for 2020? Yeah, so I spend most of the week at home, see the family. My brother's in basketball season, so it's kind of perfect. Get to watch him play. Then on the weekends, head up to Boston, see my girlfriend a good amount. And then uh, once December 1st hits, down to Florida to go to work and spend most of my time in Jupiter, Florida, um, until this year was January 20th was when I got home. Whether it's Jupiter or we know obviously a lot of Mariners guys uh, who've been in the organization for a while are in, are in Arizona, is, is this like a community of pro baseball players minor league guys and big leaguers who are hanging all around jupiter all doing what you're doing and you're running into these guys uh, here and there oh yeah for sure i mean i train at crusty sports performance in jupiter so we have guys from max scherzer to uh corbin to volstad to josh james to jesus lazardo like there's over 150 200 guys that train there at a time so it gets pretty crazy how much are you able to actually uh, interact, talk with some of these guys, and how much are you just kind of staying tunnel-focused on what you're doing that particular day? There's a fine line. Um, you definitely try to pick, when you have Max Scherzer around, you try to pick his brain as much as possible, but you also don't want to get in the way of his work because he's there to work just like you are. So we talk um, in passing and try to pick the brains of as many people as possible, but it's very limited, short conversations. Is that ever an intimidating thing to approach a guy like Max? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, you never want to feel like you're bothering them. You never want to feel like you're overstepping boundaries or ask the wrong questions. But also, while you have him, his attention, you want to try to keep it for as long as possible. When you think back, Justin, to the last year or so of your life, I mean, it has been crazy. Uh, you're part of a, a blockbuster trade coming over to the Seattle Mariners organization. You have just a killer 2019 campaign in AA with the Texas League, in the Texas League with the Travelers. You get your call up, you bypass AAA, you come right up to the big leagues, and you get a chance to put your foot in the big league water a handful of times before the end of the season. I mean, when you got back to New York in the weeks after the year ended, how did you process everything? Um, it took me a little bit to like finally realize um, what had happened. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the year itself in the Texas League was it was pretty good. I mean, a couple things I would change about it, but that's just me being a perfectionist trying to nitpick things. Um, and then obviously to achieve the three goals that I had for the year and was probably the biggest thing for me. Um, and, then, and what were those? Um, be an all-star in whatever league I played in, so whether that be in the PCL or the Texas League, um, achieve that and then play in the Futures game, got that one, and then get called up at any point throughout the year. So to be able to achieve all three was pretty special. Um, and then I think it finally hit when my brother was playing MLB The Show and like, he was pitching with me and i was like i really did that so um that was about a week into the off season i hope you punched somebody out he got a couple guys he got a couple guys yeah but he also liked to have his fun and let me get barreled a little bit at the same time brought me back down to reality hey, what was the futures game like that weekend it was special i mean to be around some of the game's best um the up-and-coming crop that we have coming for the league is going to be pretty special from wander franco to guys like gavin lux who got up and did some pretty cool things and Evan and Jared, um, to be able to enjoy that moment with them and achieve a dream that we all had for each other was pretty cool. You had a chance to spend essentially all season with the Mariners' new pitching coach, Pete Woodworth. He was your pitching coach last year in AA with the Travelers. Tell us about Pete. Uh, can't say enough good things about him. Um, we got off to a little bit of a rocky start. Um, 
but that's just me being close-minded. And then once I realized that he's really one of the first coaches I've had that genuinely have the best interest of his players at heart, um, I started to put my walls down, and we really opened up and now have an amazing relationship. I mean, every bullpen I throw, he gets a video within five minutes. We sit down and we talk. Um, he came and watched me work out in Florida. I wasn't even doing anything, just worked out and played catch. Came down, had breakfast, had lunch, um, just had his baby, so I congratulated him on that. And it's more of a friendship than anything. I mean, it seems like this is what a lot of guys have said about Pete. Is this kind of the clubhouse uh, feeling about Pete Woodworth, that you, as far as you can tell? Yeah, he was he was the glue in Arkansas when, when right. Mitch left. Um, For those who don't remember, Mitch Canham, your manager, yes. left to essentially get his dream job to be the head coach yeah. of, of Oregon State. Yeah, yeah. so when, when he left, Woody kind of took the reins and even still as the pitching coach he was essentially the manager i mean caesar did a great job stepping in to a clubhouse where a family bond had already kind of started to form and um, trying to figure out his way around the locker room and woody did a great job of bringing season and then also keeping us hitting the ground running um he was the guy when we went on skids he was the one on the top of the tables giving pump up speeches i mean at one point he gave he gave a Wolf of Wall Street speech. Uh, yeah, we we threw him a big birthday party. I bought him some uh, I bought him some Air Monarchs, some dad shoes for his birthday. So that was pretty cool. The staff got together and bought him a couple other gag gifts, and um, he's he's just awesome. I mean, I can't say enough good things about him. It can be easy to forget as time moves on from last year, but that Arkansas team, Justin, that you were a major part of was a behemoth, uh, not just for the Texas League, but if you were to look at that team and what it did throughout the minor league rankings, regardless of what level you're talking about, when you go back and look at that team, it'll be interesting to see how many big leaguers, right, were on that, especially every how many everyday big leaguers. What was your biggest takeaway from just the team that you had in Arkansas? I think the biggest thing for us is we ironically never talked about winning. Like, winning in our clubhouse was never pressed we just kind of went out on the field took care of our business and knew we were going to come out with a win and then even when we lost it was just like ah whatever like baseball see you tomorrow (laughs) um and we were really close family i mean we were having team barbecues we were on the road we had like 10 15 guys out at meals together on the road everybody was in playing rooms uh they had nintendo switch games on the bus and the locker room some like abstract weird conversations between people that you never thought would be hanging out together so we were just a big family um and everybody was pulling for everybody's best interest so to be in that clubhouse it was one of the first times in pro ball i was excited to walk into a clubhouse every day mariners pitcher justin dunn is our guest when you think back to the camaraderie it's uh, i think especially impressive when you give consider the fact that you uh, had just joined the organization, right? And you already feel like this is a kind of a family-type atmosphere and you feel right at home. Uh, was there anything that you feel like contributed to that? It's kind of a chicken or an egg thing, or is it just a, was it a winning that came first or the kind of the attitude of the team that came first? I think the big thing that, that kind of brought that to be was, again, Mitch Canham and Woody just stretched it on day one. Like, they put the emphasis on family, family, family even to the point in the locker room where Mitch and Woody went around before we even got there and moved lockers around to have different people from different walks of life sitting next to each other. Like, I was sitting next to Joe DiCarlo and, and Jordan Cowan, and um, we had outfielders with pitchers, and it was just a great, great mix of people. And um, 
when when we got together, we had everybody pulling for each other. You know, I was pitching for Cowan and pitching for Donnie, and I knew that I could lay my heart out on the line because they were going to go in a hole and lay out for me. And I knew Lou and left field would run into a wall for me and Jared. You know, it just went around the went around the whole team. It was it was pretty contagious. So we got to before we talk about your big league debut, we have to talk about some of these guys you played with because I mean, you you played with some guys who are now in the top 100 prospect list for 2020 and a lot of guys who are top prospects within the Mariners organization. You, of course, are both of those things. Uh, first of all, Evan White was the big news really for the Mariners this offseason, yeah. right? The big extension. Uh, we'll be seeing him at first base as soon as opening day this year. Everybody within the organization raves about him as a guy. And then as a first baseman, which she excels at. Tell us about Evan White. Yeah, so I mean, first, my relationship with Evan goes back to right after the trade. My roommate from college, Johnny Adams, is in the org, and he had played with Evan. So as soon as I got traded, um, I was trying to find people to live with, and he was like, let's get an apartment off off, off base, and we'll live with E-White. And I was like, oh, cool. Put us in a group text, and he was very opening, open and uh, took me in right away. The apartment kind of fell through, but first day of camp, Ev was the first one to come up to me, and uh, him and Lou were the first two to kind of make me feel at home. So a lot of the transition goes on those two shoulders, and especially Evan. I mean, for him to call when he got the deal the day before and just be like, hey, I'm taking this deal and I wanted y'all to hear it first, speaks to the character of him um, and also the relationship that he tries to build with everyone. And, I mean, he's a lot of the time the glue guy within – within our Arkansas locker room for sure. And he was the first one to pick you up when you had a bad day. Um, also the first one to bust on you when your head was getting a little <laughs> too big at the same time. So there's a fine line between Ev, but, I mean, person-wise, he's one of the best people I've ever met in my life. And then on the field, that guy's going to be a gold-glove first baseman from day one in the big leagues to the final day he plays. He's the nastiest first baseman I've ever played with. How do you see this organization moving forward when you have a guy like Evan who you know very well, who you've spent a whole year on the field with and off the field and now he commits to the organization right? he signs this extension, the Mariners are wanting to help make him a pillar of this organization moving forward what does that do to your excitement since you were on the ground floor of this thing that is beginning to kind of take off a little bit I mean I'm super, super, super excited uh, we have some really good things brewing here I mean for just from our leadership um convention thing that we kind of did earlier in the off season and to know with a guy like evan in our locker room that philosophy everything that we took from that meeting or from that three-day course mm-hmm. um will be carried out because that's just evan to a t mm-hmm. whether it's preached upon him or not um like i said he's the guy that's going to pick you up also keep you in check also be the one to teach a younger guy the ropes along the way um and honestly just be a best friend to everybody i mean he's he's one of the people that brings the locker room together for sure so on the field he's going to take care of that with his glove Mm -hmm. um he saved me a handful of times and hopefully he saves me a handful (laughs) more um so i'm really excited to play with him for a long time and and see what we we have going because we have a good group coming up we continue with justin dunn uh, Jared Kelnick obviously was uh, somebody that you're very familiar with uh, for a number of years at this point. Uh, when you saw what he did this year, uh, a guy who was drafted at the time of the season was drafted a year prior. It's ridiculous. Uh, what can you tell us about Jared Kelnick that we don't already know? Other than the fact that he's special, um, very, very, very hard worker. Um, I mean, I've never seen a 19-year-old with that drive. Um uh, and dedication and and 
knowing what he wants more than Jared Kalnick. Like, that man has his eyes set on the big leagues, and there's nothing taking him off of it. Um, so that's first and foremost. And then off the field, great kid. Great, great, great kid. Um, I mean, that's really all there is to say. I mean, he's another one of our good friends, and he just kind of jumped right into Arkansas and fit in with everybody really well from day one. Who is it on that Arkansas team, Justin, that maybe isn't on the prospect watch list, right, that isn't jumping off the page to people, but you know because you saw him every day is the guy that people should be keeping their eye out on? I got a few. Um, Obviously, Art and Donnie. Um, Jordan Cowan is an everyday gamer. Like, you look at him and you might not think, like, oh, he's that good, but... He's another one that saved me plenty of times, whether it be a big knock, a big walk-off knock in the ninth, or drawing a big walk, or having a 15-pitch a at bat to get Dustin May out of the game for Evan to come hit a two-run homer off of a bullpen guy. Like, that guy's a gamer from top to bottom. Um, Joe Odom, another one, um, got me through a lot of games, um, from game planning to having conversations on the bench and just being engaged um, day by day to... I mean, Sam Delaplane now, he's mm-hmm. he's a dude, so he's <laughs> he's not really uh, – there's not much to talk about with him and Gerber. I mean, we had a lot of dudes on that team, um, basically anyone. I can go down the list. You mentioned first Art Warren, Donnie Walton. Yeah. We saw those two guys in September. Is Art, like, the party guy in the clubhouse? I mean, did, we know he's got the best voice in the clubhouse, but, I mean, this he seems like he's kind of the life of the party. Is that fair or not fair? The sheriff? Yeah, the, sher- <laughs> the sheriff was the enforcer in Arkansas, but also he was the first one to play the wind song. Uh, he We had a fog machine and a light show, and um, him and Parker Markell were kind of the catalyst of that. But, yeah, when the sheriff speaks, that's what goes. Now, why the nickname the sheriff? Have you heard his voice? <laughs> is, that, uh, is that what a sheriff should sound like? I think so. I mean, there's been plenty of times where the locker room's been going crazy, and he just goes, hey. <laughs> That's a good one. Everybody just looks, and it's like, what's up, Art? So, yeah, he kind of commands the locker room for sure. Let's switch gears a little bit to you and your call-up as we continue with Justin Dunn. First of all, the moment you get the news. What do you remember the most about that moment? Um, I think just the the specialness of sharing it with Art, with Donnie, with K. Lou. Um, and then just, I remember my body kind of going numb because you obviously want it to happen, but you never expect it to happen when it does. Um, and so that was, that was a pretty cool feeling. And I had a feeling it was going to happen. Um, but it was a whirlwind of emotions and happened really fast. What do you remember the most about your first day in Seattle? As an official big leaguer. As an official big leaguer? Um, I don't, it just, it all, like I said, I, I tried to take it in, but it all happened so fast. I just think how welcoming everybody was. I was really nervous about walking into a locker room and um, to have Seeger, to have D, to have Marco, to have Wade to come over and just say hello and congratulations and even Felix um, being next to him. I think that was kind of the craziest thing in my, in my first day was sitting next to, at my childhood, the king, you know, and now he's my teammate he's a he's a friend i should be able to just go talk to him it was almost to the point of where i was even scared to look at him the wrong way because i didn't want to uh, get on his bad side but just adjusting to how to be myself within a big league locker room how helpful was it to even just be able to get a handful of starts as a major leaguer going into the winter time as opposed to uh, maybe not getting that opportunity and even if it was only a handful of innings uh, not having that until 
2020, the kind of the head start, the running head start that you got by being able to do that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I said, I'm a very goal-driven person. So um, that was the main reason I wanted to get up. I didn't care if it was for one inning, mm-hmm. two innings, 30 innings. Um, I just wanted to get my feet wet, go into the offseason and figure out what I needed to get better at. Because once I know what I need to get better at and I have the success of even one hitter, I know I belong here. And um, when when I can put my head to go down and go to work and say, okay, what do I need to figure out to stick? I'm going to be able to do that and go into this season to be pretty confident about it. Are you open to sharing goals? Do you, your goals for 2020, have you come up with these yet? My my main goal, um, honestly, is, is to learn from guys like Marco um, how, to, how to be a big leaguer every day. Um, on the field stuff is all the same, and I think that's what kind of clicked for me towards the end there of realizing it's the same game from Arkansas to Peoria. It's all the same. Um, but now the little intricacies of the game that make Marco what he is, the routine-based person that he is, that made Felix what he wa- what he is and what he was at, at the peak of his game. Um, so that's first and foremost. And then obviously when I get the comfort and um, feel like I'm ready to go, I, I think I can do pretty well. So never want to put out being an all-star but hopefully be an all-star again um that'd be pretty cool and honestly just stay all year um once i get up just never go back that that's my biggest one hey justin man we're excited for what 2020 and beyond holds for you we're so happy you're a part of the organization and we do hope and plan on seeing you a lot more often and with a regular basis in 2020 thanks for the time man it's great to see you good to see you too thank you aaron goldsmith great conversation with young pitcher Justin Dunn, I loved his comment about goals. Learn from the veteran guys. Learn from Marco Gonzalez. This young man is going to have, I think, an outstanding career. Hot Stove continues live from downtown Seattle. Rick Riz along with Shannon Dreher and Gary Hill Jr. We'll be back with more here in the second hour of Hot Stove after this timeout. All things Mariners, all off-season. The Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. Say, friends, Mariners Value Games return again in 2020, plus new this year. The first 10 Value Games of the season are even more valuable with $5 centerfield bleacher seats, just $5. The value continues with selects concessions and a team store item for $5 as well. Great seats at mariners.com slash value. Along with Shannon Dreher and Gary Hill, I'm Rick Riz. Hot Stove continues here in the second hour. A chance to uh, hear from uh, a young pitcher, Justin Dunn, with Aaron Goldsmith over the last uh, 20 minutes or so. But uh, a few days ago, Shannon and Gary, the Mariners had their annual media day where Scott Service had a chance to visit with everybody, along with general manager Jerry DePoto. Jerry had, uh, of course, uh, asked a lot of questions about uh, the upcoming 2020 season. And uh, Gary, he had a lot of good things to say about a number of uh, players, including Mitch Hanniger. It's been a rough past year for Mitch. He had that, that serious injury last year with the ruptured testicle, trying to come back, and then had setbacks. And now it looks like he's going to have another setback and won't be ready for appears for the start of the season but uh, man a rough go for Mitch over the last uh, year or so his luck has just been dreadful and Jerry talked about it too and it was really only the there wasn't a lot of news that came out of media day but this was the news that came out of media day is Jerry DePoto talking about Mitch Hanniger we found out Monday night that Mitch had had a setback and it's probably going to result in a core surgery that might cause for him to miss most or all of spring training and likely delay the start of his season. Now, 
this is all kind of coming together over the course of the last 40 hours or so, so it's still very fresh. But, uh, you know, he's attacking it very aggressively because he doesn't want to miss any more time. Mitch was in the midst of what I think was uh, that's perhaps his best offseason, since, certainly since he's been with the Mariners. You all know Mitch quite well. He's very diligent in his preparation, working at Sparta Science up in the <laughs> Bay Area, and all of his metrics, the test scores, athletic explosiveness, were off the charts. And he suffered a little bit of a setback on Monday afternoon, which resulted in very quickly uh, hitting a doctor's office yesterday. And, you know, as of last night, early this morning, arrows are pointing toward doing a core surgery and just trying to solve the problem once and for all. So that's likely where we're headed with this. And it's likely to be a six to eight week absence, which will lead us to uh, the tail end of March. And, you know, really, uh, we'll, we'll give you more information as it comes. But was expecting uh, him to show up first day of spring training ready to go, but that does not appear to be the case. Shannon, this is rough news, uh, obviously, for Mitch because he was wanting to build on his all-star season from 2018, and uh, just it didn't happen for him last year, but he's a hard worker, and I'm hoping this kid comes back big time for the ball club. He is, and this is the time of year where you see this. In fact, we've seen a couple of players around MLB. This is the time of year and the time of the offseason where major leaguers really start to ramp things up yeah. uh, from their what they've been doing in the offseason and start going into the cages and kind of swinging 100% or going more all out in their bullpen sessions. And this is what happens. You don't know until you turn it up, and unfortunately, uh, we saw what we saw with Mitch, and the important thing is going to be to you know take it, the appropriate amount slow, of time. Getting, get, healthy, slow, yeah. get healthy every before you turn step it up. Of the yeah. way. There's a whole yeah. season ahead of him. Plenty of disposition. He doesn't have to worry about losing it. The most important thing is, is that he get healthy, have as close to, I would say, you know, a full spring as he can without having a spring and bring him back 100%. It's going to be interesting to me to see how the outfield shapes up now. Uh, I don't know, first few weeks, first month of the season. I mean, Malik Smith. Yeah, I think you can pen him in, and Kyle Lewis obviously appears like he's got a spot in the outfield. But uh, Jake Fraley may be the one that gets the big opportunity for the rest of the guy. I mean, Bishop, there's other guys in the mix, Dylan Moore, of course. Yeah. But Jake Fraley could be the guy that sees a lot of those ABs. And I'm really excited about that. I had an opportunity to do a um, kind of FaceTime. FaceTime-type interview with him mm. a couple of weeks ago, and we remember seeing him, and it was it was a frustrating year with the injuries yeah, for him, him, too. And one call-up was delayed because of one, and then he, he was called up, and then he had the injury. And uh, it was his first full season because he came from the minor leagues and going straight through September, and he just at the end of the year looked pretty worn down both physically and mentally. And uh, to, to have him in front of me on a computer screen and, and be able to talk to him mm. for about a half an hour, hear what his mindset was, uh, hear what he had been doing workout-wise and how he had changed some things yeah. and how it had opened his eyes to, I've got to do this physically, I've got to eat this, I've got to have this mm -hmm. for my program, much like we heard with Kyle Lewis and the importance yeah. of that routine. Uh, he sounded just absolutely refreshed, raring to go, a lot of confidence from him. And he was one of the really pleasant surprises of spring training last year. I'm really hoping he can take the ball and run with it now. Yeah, this really opens the door for Jake Fraley to get more at-bats during the spring, a Braden Bishop as well. But you, you wanted that also that veteran presence, you know, yeah, to, to go along with uh, Kyle Seager. You wanted see Mitch out there to take care of these guys. You know, 
uh, as Justin Dunn said in the interview with uh, Aaron Goldsmith, you know, when he said, what are your goals? Well, I'm, I'm here to learn from Marco Gonzalez. Marco Gonzalez really took two big steps forward over the last couple of years, 13 wins two years ago, 16 wins last year, 34 starts tied for the league high in the American League, the 200 innings plus. You learn from those guys because you're next to them in the clubhouse. You're on the field with them. You're watching them work on the mound or out there in right field or, or in the batter's box. Uh, so I, hopefully Mitch Hanniger comes back uh, in a big way as, lo- as long as he's healthy. I want to see him healthy. And, yeah, and that's the key because it's too bad. He, he, it felt like he never really had a chance to follow up his all-star season last no. year, just 60-plus games, and you know it, the power production was there, but it, it would have been interesting to see how his season would have played out. But hopefully we'll see him healthy for most of the season. Now, the other part of media day that I thought was especially interesting is you know Felix Hernandez now officially – uh, signed with the Atlanta Braves in minor league deal, and Jerry Depoto asked about that, and I really enjoyed his answer. Uh, happy for him, you know. It's a, I, I said it, and I told him when he was leaving. I hope he gets an opportunity to go pitch elsewhere and do the things that Felix can do, and, and I hope that happens for him in Atlanta. I truly do. He had a great career here. Uh, it did not end as as in the same way that it started. But I thought that his final outing here was one of the – it's one of the games, uh, along with Ichiro's farewell in Japan, uh, and I could count a, a handful of others. One of the games that I've seen in three decades in the big leagues that I will always remember uh, because it was a way a, a single player connected with a fan base that was incredibly special. There is – I doubt that he will have that same type of connection in any other market or for any other team. He will forever be a Mariner. He's just wearing a different uniform now, and I hope he succeeds. Um, I, everybody's rooting for him. He's a, he's a good guy. It was time for the Mariners to move in a different direction, and I think Felix would tell you it was time for him to move in a different direction. But I don't think there is any, you know, animosity between the two. We we root for him. We'll, we, we care about him. And – Sometime along the way, you will see him back here. I, I guarantee you that, whether it's just walking out and tipping his hat or, or paying tribute to the fan base because he really cares about that. So difficult sometimes to say goodbye to your heroes. And to see Felix make that final start last year was was very, very emotional. And uh, we get a chance tonight to put together, as you did, something very special to, for Felix Hernandez in his amazing career when he came up as a kid in 2005 up until last season. Yeah, official now, no longer a Mariner, and we'll, we'll celebrate an amazing career, and we'll have some uh, some of those moments from that last ball game that I don't think we'll ever forget, and that's going to come up next right after this. Back to more of the Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. He is King Felix, and he reigns supreme. One-two pitch, swing and a miss. Oh, did he get tied up? That was dirty from Felix. Barton with a Looney Tune swing. All-star, Tory Hunter. There's not a one player in this league that likes facing Felix. He is one of the nasty, if not the nastiest pitcher in Major League Baseball. He can get you to swing and miss with that changeup. He's scary. It's not fun. It's uncomfortable every time. Number 500 in his career for Felix Hernandez. Career strikeout number 1,000. 
1,000 for Felix Hernandez. 1,500 strikeouts. Number 2,000 for Felix Hernandez. 2,500 for Felix Hernandez. One of only 36 pitchers in Major League history to reach that plateau. Happy Felix Day. Playing in a miss, strike three. A changeup at 90 miles an hour. 15 punch shots for Felix Hernandez today. He has dangled that carrot in front of the Rays all day long. And they have tried to take a bite each and every time. Hall of Fame pitcher, Dennis Eckersley. How he walks to the mound. I mean, he is so confident, man. He has got it going on. (laughs) He really does. And for good reason. I mean, that's half of it. It's showtime, man, when he's when he's pitching. What a night for Felix. He is on his stick. He is a humming, baby. Silver Slugger Award winner Tim Savage. And I was 0-2 before you could blink an eye with two fastballs that were by me. <laughs> and so, I, you know, I'm like, okay, I'll get my two-strike approach here. And then he snapped off a slider and it buckled me like I'd never been buckled before. And he struck me out on three pitches and I walked back to Butch. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> the King, holy smoke, has been outstanding. And his Palace tonight is Safe Gold Field. Hall of Fame pitcher Jim Palmer. Well, <laughs> hitters don't have much of a chance. Uh, you know, I mean, he does everything that you want to do. He throws a lot of strikes. He throws a lot of sinkers. He can strike you out if he needs to. Swing and a miss. Strike three, and there it is. Strikeout number 233 on the season. A new career high for Felix Hernandez, King of the Hill. Welcome to King's Court. Nearly 40,000 in the King's Court. Bobby up and down the pitch. Strike three called. He got him at 93 miles an hour. And count him up. Ten strikeouts for the King tonight against the A's. Cy Young Award winner, R.A. Dickey. The last 12 to 14 inches before it gets to the plate, it's literally like someone steps on the ball, you know, and it goes straight down. Swing and a miss. Strike three. A changeup. A venomous changeup at 90 miles an hour. We found out firsthand, you know, why they call him the king and why you know he is as good as he is he knows that he has dominant stuff and uh he lets it be known while he's out there it's just nasty movement everything now just has so much sharp movement to it swing and a miss strike three got him with that changeup, and there is strikeout number eight for the king they're jumping up and down in that left field corner in king's court tonight there's only one king one strike away from baseball history Hernandez looks in, the windup, and the 2-2 pitch, strike three called, Felix Hernandez pumps his arms in the air, Felix has just thrown the first perfect game in Seattle Mariners history, he's being mobbed by his teammates behind the mound, he's done it, he's done it. One word, nasty. He was filthy. It's basically, he's playing a video game, and it's, we're, we're up there trying to trying to battle and compete but honestly it's it's like he's sitting there with the playstation controller just making the ball do whatever he wants swinging a ground ball right back to felix he's got it underhand flip the first and it's in time the ball game is over felix hernandez shuts out the minnesota twins swing and a miss and down he goes and down go the boston red sox and felix hernandez has pitched a one hitter swing and a miss strike three and it's over felix hernandez shuts out the tampa bay Red and Felix Hernandez was one kind of an ace tonight as he pitches his first career shutout. Felix Hernandez and the Mariners shut out the Minnesota Twins. One to nothing tonight here at Target Field. It is the fifth shutout 
of the season for Felix Hernandez. Here's the windup and the 0-2 on the way and a swing and a miss strike three and Felix Hernandez wins one to nothing. He shuts out the Yankees here in the Bronx. Hall of Fame pitcher Don Sutton. I saw a guy last night that has been outstanding and we may not have seen the best yet with four pitches that he can make dart and dive and go faster and go slower. He is a complete pitcher and I think he pitches with a quiet joy. He can pass now Tom Seaver on the all-time list. His 14th consecutive start going at least seven innings and allowing two runs or fewer and history might have just been made. His changeup looks like, you ever seen a cartoon Bugs Bunny when he was on the mound <laughs> and he throws it and the guys are like, one, two, three, you're out. One, two, three, you're out. That's what it looks like. <laughs> one, two, three strikes, you're out. One, two, three strikes, you're out. One, two, three strikes, you're out. Here's Felix Hernandez. First time swing of the bat this year. Here's the windup and the pitch on the way. Swing and a fly ball into deep right field. Chavez going back and this one is gone. Goodbye baseball. Felix Hernandez with an opposite field grand slam home run. I'm Larry. Larry. Hernandez. The 2-2 on the way, swing and a miss, strike three, and there it is. The King, Felix Hernandez with career strikeout number 2,163 has just moved by the big unit, Randy Johnson, the all-time strikeout leader in Seattle Mariners history. This is home. This is my house. And Felix Hernandez is the all-time leader in Mariner history for innings pitch. Felix Hernandez with career win number 146 is the all-time leader in victories for the Seattle Mariners franchise. And the King moves on by Johan Santana. Career strikeout number 1,989. More strikeouts than any pitcher. From the country of Venezuela. I'm one of the few who can count myself very lucky to get to play with a player who I will look back when I'm an old man and tell other people that I had a chance to play with him, much like other people do with probably guys like Nolan Ryan and and those guys. I mean, this guy is that kind of player. And now Felix takes his cap off. Big roar. Listen to this crowd. Felix takes a bow, doffs his cap, walks off. For the final time. Tearing up, waving his cap as he crosses past the first base coach's box, points to the King's Court and the High Court. There are moments in baseball that you will never forget, and this is one of them right here. Thursday night, September the 26th, 2019. Felix Hernandez's career started. 15 years ago, as a 19-year-old kid, he leaves with all the records any pitcher could possibly have. He gave everything he possibly could give until there was no more to give. He gave us his heart. He gave us his soul. That's why I call this home. That's why I call Seiko Field my house. I love this game. We got a lot of passion for this game. And I love compete every five days. You know, I love the fans. I love what they, what they do with the support. All hail the king. Here's the ovation for the king. 